0: Welcome back to the FFP. Today, me and Rob are going to be breaking down six bounce back players, and we're going to be discussing, you know, just how far are they going to bounce back? These are guys who, heading into last season, had high or at least fairly high expectations, and didn't live up to them. Maybe it was because of injury or offensive concerns that weren't their fault, or maybe they were just, you know, a little bit of a bust for some people, or had an off year. Doesn't matter what it is, they didn't live up to the expectations that you had, and we're going to be addressing the question. Will they bounce back, yes or no, and if so, how much? Uh, Rob, I believe that you have the first guy, so why don't you get us started with, I think it's Michael Thomas, is it?
1: I've got Michael Thomas. So let's look at Michael Thomas here. 2019, this guy had a phenomenal season for the records, right? Uh, 149 catches, that breaks Marvin Harrison's 143. He had 1,725 receiving yards. He had first and wide receiver scoring. 100 points ahead of the number two and three guy, Chris Godwin and Julio Jones. I mean, 100 points ahead, that's a lot of points. Mm -hmm. guy crushed it that year. If you're looking at his last few years after his rookie year every year he came in going into last year he would improved his catches yards yards per game he had an excellent quarterback rating when thrown to solid catch percentage you know all those things are good especially when you consider the fact that this guy has got a lot of attention from defense his last few years and yet um he's just been great now going into 2020 he was taken as the fifth overall player and the first wide receiver coming off the board and i think that's right i think that's where he should have been he, he was going last year than one wide receiver and i think that you know it wasn't wrong um and there's no indications once again that there red flags or indication he was gonna struggle greatly. And so I think being the first wide receiver off there made sense for a lot of owners there. He's a stud and they knew it and they paid a high price for him an early first round pick, or if you're in a bid league, they had to spend a lot of money.
0: Yeah, that's what's so difficult about fantasy. Um you're stupid heading into last season if you take the wide receiver who was as phenomenal as he was and you didn't take him as the number one wideout. You had to do that, and yet it still didn't work out for you just by chance. That's what kind of makes a first round scary in fantasy drafts for sure. Yeah, you know he's probably going to regress, right? But there are always things we say in fantasy
1: football you got to put your emotions aside. You got to be logical. Mm-hmm. And logic would tell you that, hey, even though he might step back statistically, he's still going to have a very good year. Anybody that didn't take him based on a hunch, you know what?
0: Nine out of ten times a hunch will kill you. Okay? Yeah. I'll just say this. We've all got that buddy in fantasy whose hunches are always right because he only remembers the right ones. It's like the gamblers. They only remember when they win, right? <laughs> so. so he goes number one wide receiver, but he finishes
1: 93rd in wide receiver scoring. That's a huge drop off. Hit a major drop in catch percentage. Quarterback rate when thrown to. A lot of owners were disillusioned by him. And uh, once again, it might have been reasonable to expect a fallout from his record-setting year, but he had his worst season as a pro last year. Mm -hmm. Once again, 93rd in wide receiver scoring, so will he bounce back? I think it's important to set a plumb line to measure that, so I want to ask a couple questions. Do you mean bounce back in the fact that I think he'll have his record-setting year again, 2019? Or by bounce back, do you mean he'll go back to simply being a wide receiver one, tier one status? Those are two radically different... Questions to ask, would you agree with that?
0: Absolutely. And it is important to make sure you're asking the right question before you even get your answer because you certainly can't figure that out. But yeah, let kind of, you know, get your eyes set in the right spot to figure out what we're looking for, you know? All right. So we'll break that down. Uh, two major factors really played in his regression.
1: One was injuries. And to me, that was the biggest one. He had two ankle injuries, a uh, hamstring injury. And when he did return, he wasn't fully healthy. He rarely played at 100%. He was banged up quite often. Another possible factor could be the Drew Brees injury. Now, Taysom Hill filled in, and when he did, he did a great job. But sometimes that can create what I call inconsistencies in lineup, ups and downs. Now, not as far as points scored. I mean, the Saints were still fifth in the league, averaging 30 points per game. So the offense overall was fine. But for certain players, um, it's hard to get in that groove when you're in a lineup and there's a new quarterback there. If you look at running backs and wide receivers, oftentimes these type of players, the type that as they're being fed touches consistently, they get stronger as the year goes on, the game goes on. They're building rapport and they're building time. And that's hard to do when you're inconsistent in the lineup there. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll say this it's very unlikely he goes back to his 2019 record setting season. Okay? Not because he's worse, not because he's regressing, and not because Drew Brees is retiring, simply because the bar has set so high. Okay? That's, that's really high. That's a record setting year for a reason. If you look at players like Randy Moss and Jerry Rice, as good as they were, from year to year, they couldn't keep up their record-setting season. Not like every year they beat their previous year's records. I mean, that, that's hard to do. These are pros. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Everybody that takes the field is great. Other teams figure out how to shut you down, double-team you, things like that. So it's virtually impossible to, to break a record-setting year. You look at Derrick Henry at 2,000 yards rushing last year. It's only been done by eight other players and never twice by a running back. So no, he will not bounce back to his 2019 numbers. But I'll say this. Do you have something you want to add? Yeah,
0: I was just going to add how funny it is that a guy has a phenomenal season and we instantly think that that's the new norm for him. You remember when Adrian Peterson ran for over oh 2,000 yeah. yards? Do you remember what happened the beginning of the next season? First play, 80-yard rushing touchdown. It's like, he's going to be even better. He's not going to be even better. No, you and know? he wasn't. And he wasn't. And but, he wasn't. Um, it's just funny how we really let our hype set the expectations. Yes.
1: So I would say this. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, he returns to wide receiver one status. Okay, that's easily attainable, expected. I don't see him going to set records again, but he easily, if everything fell into place rightly for him, could finish first in wide receiver scoring. It could happen. He's got that sort of talent. I'm not saying he's going to finish first, but I'm saying once again, he's going to be a wide receiver one very good. You don't need to worry. Um, His stats are not a fluke. So I'm going to ask this question. Do you know who Brady Anderson is? I don't. Okay. So here's who Brady Anderson is if you don't know. He was a baseball player for the Baltimore Orioles. In 14 seasons, he averaged 11.4 home runs per season, so basically 11 per season. But in 1996, he hit 50. Okay, like you said, uh, we talked about this earlier. You mentioned steroids. Yeah, like it sounds like steroids. It right? Sounds like he was using steroids. Yeah. Uh, but either way, for him, that was what I call a statistical anomaly. Okay, it just didn't happen again. But Thomas, that's not the case. Every season, he's improved. He's got all the metrics pointing the right direction. Catch percentage. He's got good size, great work ethic. Every year, he's had a thousand yards of receiving before last year. 2019 was not a unicorn year for him in terms of talent. He's legit. Now, last year, he was limited in games, but in the games he did play, Pro Football Focus gave him the 15th wide receiver rating, so that's still very solid there. Now, he had to drop off because of injuries. But one, he's still young. He's only 28. And before last year, he's very durable. He started 57 consecutive games, including playoffs, before last year's injury. He had not missed a game since week 14, his rookie year. Now, some would say, well, your breeze is gone, and will that hurt? And I would say I think it's going to a little bit. Now, you look at Hill. He actually filled in had a very good year last year. But, one, teams have a full year to prepare for uh, Taysom Hill. I think it's going to be a difference maker. Um, so I think that Breeze being gone will hurt, but not as much as you might think. And I think you made a comment earlier about, you know, kind of his success and why he did so well and how maybe that's not going to project long-term as a pocket passer.
0: Yeah, so one of the things that I was just talking about, we talked about a few minutes ago, was love Taysom Hill. Uh, Taysom Hill was really great in sort of that Lamar Jackson way. He was moving it with his legs, mobile, rushing. He was just unpredictable for defenses, and that was great but you know what we really kind of found was he was not so good in the passing department. Not that he was an unaffected quarterback, but that he wasn't using the passing game as much. He wasn't the Drew Brees, sit in the pocket, I'm going to make the accurate throws. And so You have to wonder if he is under center, are they going to be throwing as many passes in a game? Probably not. That being said, and I mentioned this earlier, the Saints have just, it doesn't matter if Bridgewater or Brees or Hill or Jameis Winston is on the field, whoever's under center, uh, the Saints coaching staff, they just, they get it done. Get their wide receiver stats. So, for me, that's definitely uh, something that bodes well for him heading into this year. So, you look at Drew Brees, he's missed nine games in 2019-2020.
1: So, during those games, Thomas has caught 72 passes for 894 yards in those games. That's averaging eight receptions and 99 yards per game without breeze in there. You know, if you look at that and you project that out over 16 games, that'd have been 128 catches, 1,584 yards. So, very good without breeze in there. In fact, last year, his best two games. At one game with nine catches, 104 yards, another game with nine catches, 105 yards, both weren't Hill as quarterback. So obviously their connection was just fine there. His current average draft position is ninth. And I think that's reasonable to take him number nine right now. But I say you if you want to, you could actually argue taking him higher if you wanted to. Um, but definitely he should not fall to your top 10 wide receiver rankings at this
0: point. All right. So that was a lot of information. Love that breakdown. And let's be honest, it's hard not to expect he's going to come at least somewhat close to what he did before. Probably won't be a record setter, but would you say I'm wrong to say he's got to be a top 12 ranked wide receiver? Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on to our next guy. All right, now I want to talk about George Kittle because he's just phenomenally talented tight end who only finished 19th in fantasy scoring among tight ends last year. Ultimately, that comes down to the fact that he only played in eight games. But I'm going to go one step further because he didn't in reality play a full eight games. So let's go over his injury history from the 2020 season. He was really banged up and it really held him from producing. So go back to August 27th before the, the season even starts. He has a thigh hamstring strain grade two in training camp, and it did kind of bother him. He ended up playing week one, but because he played with that thigh strain, and that is a grade two strain again, for those of you who know anything about that, I don't, but I like to be specific. Um, goes into game one, already strained, and you know what happens? MCL sprain. And then he, he you know, and that's again, week one, we're coming out of the gate struggling with an injury, has another injury and misses two games. And then comes back November 1st, he has a pedal foot fracture, which is another fracture that he's got and is placed on the IR. So he's got three injuries that hurt him last season. If it weren't for that, I think he would have been a good fantasy tight end. And that's not me saying that. The statistics prove it. So before I address his injury, his recovery, and what the future will look like, I want to assure you that George Kittle is one of the best tight ends in the game, and I mean that. For starters, Pro Football Focus ranked Kittle as the ninth best player in all of football. At any position, he made the top ten. That is insane to see that. Uh, He's also the highest paid tight end in the NFL. Um... And again, he was limited to just 443 snaps last year, but he posted the highest single season PFF grade ever seen for a tight end at 94.4. So when he was on the field, his ability to block, run routes, and make plays as a whole was measured as the best a tight end has ever done in a season. Again, very limited numbers, probably wouldn't have continued that for a whole season, but playing those games through those injuries he was still very productive. So again, huge numbers there and since he's come into the NFL cuz last year was was you know maybe a bit high, can't expect him to be record breaking for that whole season tends to drop off for a lot of guys like we saw last year like uh, Russell Wilson, uh, but That's not new for him. In fact, I looked into it, and I believe this was Fantasy Pros. I did it. I can't believe I'm going to steal something that they wrote or that somebody else wrote that I didn't find myself, but it was too good not to. You know what I mean? So anyways, uh, they found that he has produced Fantasy Tight End 1 type numbers in 58% of his games. Going back to 2000, that is better than guys like Tony Gonzalez and Jimmy Graham, and we know how good Tony Gonzalez and Jimmy Graham have been over their seasons, especially Gonzalez. So... Again, huge fantasy numbers there from him. Go back to 2019 when he finished third in fantasy scoring. He did that in just 14 games. So yeah, over the past three seasons, Kittle is second behind only Travis Kelsey in both PPR and non-PPR points per game. So um, just putting it out there, if you don't know it already, one of the top two tight ends in the league talent-wise is Kittle. The other guy is Kelsey. For me, it's hands down both of them. So... I want to talk about the injuries. First of all, I'm going to say that if there's any player in the NFL that I trust to recover from injury, it's got to be one Tom Brady. That guy's just a health freak. Uh, But number two, it's going to be George Kittle. He is a freak in the weight room. He is obsessed with playing football. In fact, when he got hurt in game one, the reason he came back a few games later, do you know why that was? Um, He actually talked with Kyle Shanahan, and, and he was kind of like, Kyle was like, hey, you know, George, Like, are you sure you want to play? Like, is this a good idea? And I guess George Kittle was like, no, I'm playing. You're not keeping me out. Like, he just, he wanted to be on the field. Like, he's a, maybe a little too intense for his own good. Um, and over the course of a whole career, that does concern you. But he's still so young at this point that it doesn't concern me. I just, it's probably going to stop him from playing late into his 30s, you know. Um, but really, I think the biggest proof for his work ethic and the production that he has in the off season is, Let's take a guy who worked out with him last offseason. Um, do you know who tied Travis Kelsey for the most receiving touchdowns at the tight end position last year? Robert Tanyan with 11. The year before, Robert Tanyan was, let's be honest, a nobody. Well, you know who Robert Tanyan trained with in the offseason? George Kittle? It's almost like I'm going to say George Kittle. And it's so funny because Tanyan actually went to Kittle and said, like, train me. I want to work out like you work out because he's kind of a freak in the weight room. And I think that's really produced his numbers on the field is because just how dedicated he is to building his body up to be this football machine. Yeah, he's, George Kill's
1: has become like the go to guy now. A lot of in fact, he's got a camp that he runs where mm-hmm. uh, he allows 50 tight ends to come and train with him. He's become, like I said, that tight end guru. Um, this guy, like you said, he's phenomenal, not only how he approaches the game, how hard he works, what he does. Um, the one thing I would say about him, um, it's the reason why he's so good. He reminds me a lot of Rob Gronkowski. Mm-hmm. Um, Rob Gronkowski was so athletic, strong, fast, great hands, but he was also physical. Yeah. Um, but he was so physical that physicality wore on his body. I love George Kittle, but, you know, sometimes he's taking a couple of hits. As a coach, I wonder at times, like, you know, George, maybe uh, maybe just, you know. Maybe chill out, bud. Chill out there and, you know, take a knee at that point. You get the first down, but anyways, go ahead. Yeah,
0: absolutely, and um where's my notes at? there we go sorry I don't have these things memorized I just like to read the notes because I don't don't trust myself but uh, anyways the last thing I'd like to say and is addressing those injuries one I said already but I'll say it again those injuries are a bigger concern later on in his career he is still younger he's still in the prime of his health so it's not as big of a problem now as it was then secondly you might see three injuries in one season and go oh that makes me nervous. However, if you pay attention to those injuries, they really built on each other, did they not? This is a tough player. We talked about Josh Jacobs where there's one of those guys who just doesn't matter what he's got wrong with him, he's going to keep playing. Love that heart. That's great. But those injuries ended up building on on kind of on one another especially when you look at i mean you know first off you got the hamstring strain you know that's going to be tough and you're going to kind of struggle with that maybe your your running form changes or whatever uh, but really the big one was the MCL sprain when you try to come back from a sprained MCL it's not a surprise that you fractured your foot Um, because they're so interconnected, especially your legs. In fact, they say, if your back hurts, get new shoes, right? That's how interconnected our bodies are. So I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't see three injuries there. I see one injury that he tried to play through and probably shouldn't have. Now he's had the whole off season to recover. And I hope that that's going to be enough for him to be healthy We'll continue to monitor it this offseason, but as of right now, I think he's going to be back up to being in that top three range for tight ends, along with Kittle and Waller.
1: So the next guy I've got is DJ Shark. A lot of people going to last year thought this guy's going to have a breakout year. Had a good year before. I had him in a dynasty league. I had high hopes for him, and of course, he was disappointing. Mm-hmm. He just come off a good season where He has receiving a touchdown, seventy three catches. He's got good size, six foot four. You know, he's poised to be the team's number one wide receiver. His average draft position in 2020 was the 20th wide receiver being taken, but he finished 48th in wide receiver scoring, leaving him as a wide receiver four. That's a bench player in fantasy, and certainly not a wide receiver one for the Jaguars. So um, does he return to his promise of 2019? I'm going to say yes and no. Now let me deal with the no part of my response there. Um, one, I think he bounces back 2021, but he's still young. Lawrence is a rookie quarterback, so I think his best years are ahead of him. He got a new coach in the NFL, a new system, new quarterback that's a rookie, and he's still young. So for me, I think 2021 is going to be a good bounce back year. But I think his best years are beyond 2021 for him as far as you factor in all those other things, okay? Let me tell you why I think he rebounds in 2021. Why did he struggle last year? Number one reason, hands down, beyond a shadow of a doubt, poor quarterback play. It was brutal. Now, all year last year, he was critical of Gardner Minshew and some of the quarterbacks there. Now, early in the year, he tried to show restraint in what he said, but his year went on and became more verbal, more vocal with his frustration with the quarterback. Now, usually at some point, the coach will step in and say something, but he really didn't. Um, And that's tough because wide receivers can be prima donnas in the league, so it's hard to take, to heart everything that they say. But as it turns out, I think the criticism was spot-on and legitimate. And I think that's supported by the fact that the team in the offseason made some major moves to the team, to the coaching, quarterback, you name it. Now, Chark saw a 30-point drop in his quarterback reign when thrown to, and here's why if you look at uh, how he goes a wide receiver, a lot of things they look at his catch percentage and quarterback rating when thrown to. You know, that helps measure the effectiveness of wide receiver. Um, but it doesn't determine if the drops, okay, or the misses there are the quarterback or wide receiver's problem. So You have to dig it down a little deeper to figure out just, you know, what was going on there. Was it his fault? Was it the quarterback's fault? A combination of both? So they have targets, okay, and target is, is a throw to a particular player in the direction of that wide receiver, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't factor in the quality of throws or if it's realistically a catchable ball. Mm-hmm. And there's some balls like, yeah, that make your fingertips on. But uh, look at back that Odell Beckham. Remember that crazy catch he made against the Cowboys years ago? Yeah. Like that was insane. Had he missed that, that's not a catchable ball. Yeah. Like, okay. Okay, so listen to this. Going back to 2019, his good year, and you're actually going to wonder, man, how good of a year could he have had if he had a good quarterback there? So in 2019, the play count allowed him to have a 6.5 target quality rating. That's number 24 among wide receivers. Pretty decent. Mm -hmm. But he had a measly 6.82 target accuracy mark. That puts 66 amongst wide receivers. So he was targeted a lot, but the accuracy of the targets weren't very good at all. In fact, 26% of his targets were contested. That Mm -hmm. means 26% of the time, they threw in a way there was always somebody there to contest the throws. That's not good. And in 2020, it got even worse. John Gruen took over. Jay Gruen took over, I should say. And here's what happened. So the quality rating dropped to 5.4. That's 64 among wide receivers. They attempted 24 more passes that year, but Sharks saw one less target per game, which is hard if he's being, if he's your go-to guy that should go up at you Look at Minshew, Mike Glennon, Jake Lutton. Um, they were even worse in 2019. The target accuracy rate fell to 6.54. That's 98 among wide receivers. That means even when he was targeted, they were almost always horrible throws. Mm-hmm. They weren't even really catchable balls. So, That was a major factor to why he struggled. And I don't think we can compare Lawrence to Gardner Minshew. You shouldn't even make that comparison. Lawrence is a generational talent. Minshew was a six-round pick for a reason. I like the stash. He was a fun story, right? But let's be honest. This guy wasn't going to be the future of your franchise there.
0: But I I do want to say, hold on. I don't want to overlook you liked the stash, it was funny. I don't like it mustache, was, but it was I, interesting. It was iconic. Let's it I like that he was dumb enough to wear the mustache, mustache for the rest so. of us. But And one thing that I know you guys are going to say, I know you're going to comment on it, and we've all been seeing the posts, is uh, what Urban Meyer said about Trevor Lawrence. He's not ready. Did you see that post? I did, but you got to read deeper, right? you got to read deeper. What did he say? He's not ready. But he doesn't need to be because the season hasn't started yet, right? And ultimately, I'm going to be honest with you, I love the honesty. How often do rookies come into the league and their coaches praise them and talk them up? And then we go into week one and watch that quarterback throw four interceptions, yeah. you know? Uh, so I love that they're pushing him and driving him. And to be honest, he does look really good at this point. So I do want to address that because I know yes. uh, if we don't bring it up, you guys are going to act like we didn't see it, but we did. And I don't think it's a concern.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. So this is the best quarterback he's had throwing the ball. Now, Coach Urban Meyer came there and he looked at Chark last year and he said that he played small. At six foot four, he's like, you need to play bigger. You need to get in the weight room. And according to ESPN, Chark has done that. And actually, he's up to two ten now. As far as he put a lot of muscle on, about you know, ten pounds of muscle, and he's continuing to work out there. And now he's ready to play exactly how Meyer wants him to play. Chark went on and say, "I love the challenge. I love talking to Coach Meyer. He's a competitor. He's going to push me. I love that he's going to take feedback. He wants to get better. He's only twenty four years old. He's proven that he's got the talent to be a special player in the league." Okay. And I love that he can take that sort of criticism, you know, and it tells you what kind of smart player he is. And that's what Urban Meyer had said, that he's smart enough to, one, to work in the game to take correction. And here's the thing. Urban Meyer has been praising Chark over and over in practice. He's made a number of great catches using
0: his speed because he's actually really fast. If you go back, I think it was like 4.34, mm-hmm. um, something like that. Is, uh, I don't remember what it was, but I do remember he's very fast at the combine and his 40-yard dash, was yeah. it? Yeah. And, and let's be honest um, – Maybe he didn't need to gain that weight. What's the bigger difference? What's the true impact of him gaining that weight? His coach likes him now. His coach talks about how smart he is, how hard he works. I tell you what, right now, uh, let's be honest, we hate to admit it, but sometimes you got to play a favorite game, and when you get the coach to like you, you get more targets. You you know. I mean, as dumb as that sounds, it's true. You don't want to get in the doghouse. You don't want to get in the doghouse. No.
1: So he's using his speed to beat defenders, but also in these scrimmages, he's going up in traffic and catching his ball uses his new size and strength. Mm -hmm. So you got to love that. Now, here's another reason why he struggled. And this was revealed this week by a wide receiver, um, Jimmy Smith, a former Jaguars wide receiver. Very good, right? Mm-hmm. And he had come out and he would said this. Um, both him and Keenan McCardle were receivers, the Jags. And he said that Keenan McCardle was, was the wide receiver coach there for four years. But after the coaches got, uh, re, you know, got let go of, they didn't bring him back. And here's what he said. Previous coaching staff didn't want a number one receiver. We know how bad that bugged Keenan, once mm-hmm. again, the yeah. coach. Uh, Smith said Keenan McArdle was not allowed to coach the way he wanted to. Let me say it again. Keenan McArdle was not allowed to coach the receivers the way he wanted to. According to Smith, that impacted the development of DJ Chark, specifically mm-hmm. indirectly. directly. Former second-round pick from LCO had a breakout season in 2019, finished over 1,000 yards, but his play dropped off during his third season in 2020 and finished with just 706 yards and five touchdowns. Went on to say quarterback play, played a role in that, Starter injuries. We talked about that a little bit. Obviously, hurt. But Smith said the way that Marone wanted receivers to be coached didn't do Chark any favors. He went on to say that they want to stand up at the line of scrimmage. I know that's not Keenan, he said. By the way, that's not how we played. That's not what we want to coach because your route running begins in your stance. He also went on to say that that coach never wanted number one wide receiver. That, once again, they didn't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. All these sort of things really play a factor. It was very interesting to hear these comments on that. Of course, you've got a new coach, new wide receivers coach, a new approach to the game. That's changed. So, that's hindered. He was hindered by, one, the coach and by bad quarterback play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this guy's got a lot of talent potential there. His current average draft position is the 29th wide receiver being taken. That's a wide receiver three. I think at the end of the year, scoring-wise, he'll land in the wide receiver two category. But long-term, he's got a huge upside. He's got wide receiver one-type talent in dynasty leagues. I, I expect him to finish with about 75 catches, maybe 1,100 yards, and maybe 8 to 10 touchdowns. That's kind of where I slot him currently statistically.
0: I love your research, by the way, super in-depth. You've sold me, so thank you now that I can draft him right before you in the draft and get him instead of you. I appreciate it, but really... You think DJ Chark's got to go on our sleeper list at this point? I think so. I think so, yeah, definitely. I mean, we talk about the panic that we feel when a new coach and a new quarterback comes in. Oh, man, this could be so much worse. He could lose targets. He could lose his role. This is the opposite. He's going to gain role, and that offense is going to do more. So uh, I love this situation for DJ Chark.
1: One more thing I want to say. I've seen guys do this in leagues. You know, you get a league, you talk to your buddies before, you talk about certain players— and, and don't be, like, I, I see owners that go around and convince other owners why this guy's going to have a rebound year, why their, yeah. their information's off. Like, man, keep that to yourself. If yeah. they want to think he's going to be a flop this year and they want to drop him down, let him fall, man.
0: Yeah. Just keep your mouth shut and don't get drunk. I tell you, that's got to be the that's biggest piece. Don't find. drink
1: at your draft. That's
0: ruined many a draft. <sighs> <sighs> don't drink at your draft. And don't drink and drive because you might hit a bump and spill your drink. Is okay. that what Michael Scott Michael says? Michael Scott would say. <laughs> All right, let's get to our next guy. All right, so next I want to talk about Chris Godwin. He finished 31st in fantasy points amongst receivers last year. Uh, Again, not quite the season that some people expected him to have, but he did do it in just 12 games. So uh, let's talk about it like I did with George Kittle. I want to go over what was his kind of injury history uh, slash timeline. I do kind of like looking at that. You go to September uh, 13th. He had a concussion, grade one. That's not a bad concussion, happened, and he missed one game. Then he comes back, and that was, I believe, in the first week of the season. So he misses one game. He then comes back for the third game on the 27th of September, where he has a high hamstring strain, grade two, and misses two games. So, again... Not great to have that other injury. And then on October 25th, he has a hand finger fracture, um, which really, really hurt him. Underwent surgery and missed one game. Uh, first of all, A fracture and a surgery, and you only miss one game. I love the toughness there. I do. It's almost stupid. I just talked about with Kittle. It's like, maybe you just should slow down a little bit. Maybe come back for next season. But I love the competitiveness. And there's a reason why in 2019, he finished with the second most fantasy points among all wide receivers. And that year, he did it in 14 games. That's insane to do it in two less games and still be the second best fantasy receiver that competitiveness of him playing through those injuries, that's why he's able to do that. This is a guy who's, let's be honest, he's probably just got a higher motor and more motivation than we do. Cause I'll be honest, I get the slightest hurt and I'll probably just not work out for a week or two. But um, again, ultimately look at it and that's his ceiling, right? So, 2019 under with Jameis Winston in that offense without Tom Brady, he is the second wide receiver in fantasy. Then he comes back and he only plays 12 games and he's got some injuries and he's got some struggles and he finishes 31st in fantasy amongst wide receivers. So will he bounce back up to the number two range? And I'm just going to get straight to the point. I don't think he will fully bounce back. He's not going to finish in that 30 range. He's not going to finish as a wide receiver three, but I don't think he's going to be a top five fantasy option. I see him floating around in that range and probably just missing a top 12. I imagine him to be a very solid wide receiver two. And ultimately, here's why. We take a look at last season. Um, he was pretty much a lock for basically six targets a game that's really what it looked like in fact he saw six targets or excuse me at least six targets in 10 of 12 games despite all that other talent in the offense despite Mike Evans and Gronkowski and just all of those weapons being there he still saw that in at least or in 10 of his 12 games so that was great The downside being, he never really got into a groove to show us that dominant wide receiver one potential. When we talk about a guy in the top 12, I expect that he's going to have, you know, probably six to eight 100-yard receiving games. And yet, Chris Godwin only had one 100-yard receiving game, and it came week 17. So... Why do I think he's not going to be able to get to that number two range? Why do I think he's going to sit more as a solid wide receiver too? And ultimately, it just comes down to the weapons. Mike Evans had like, what, 14 touchdowns last year? I don't even remember the number one was, but Mike Evans is a phenomenal receiver. Evans had the first seven years of his career, he had 1,000 yards receiving. I mean, this is a guy who's just been phenomenal you throw in a good tight end there and a quarterback in tom brady who especially down the stretch as he got used to that offensive scheme he just didn't turn the ball over you don't have mistakes you don't need to throw the ball as much as winston did so um just putting it out there to be quite honest with you no i don't think he has that potential to consistently be a top five fantasy wide receiver but man is he a stable and is he a good wide receiver too and i'll even say this to put it out there i'm not saying that mike evans is better than godwin I think that Godwin is the best weapon in that offense. But it doesn't matter how good your number one weapon is. If you've got six great weapons, you've got to use all six of them, right? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know
1: you talk about uh, Evans is very good. You've got Rob Gronkowski there on and on. Um, but Antonio Brown, I mean, this is a guy who could very easily become a future Hall of Famer. Phenomenal wide receiver. There's just so many weapons there. So, yeah, it spreads the targets out. So I agree with you.
0: Absolutely. So I love Chris Godwin. The addition of all those talents there <clears throat> means he's safe. Barring injury, he is not going to fall outside of a wide receiver too. But because of that, he would need another injury to say Evans to get that volume back up because it just wasn't quite there. So uh, that's my pick for Chris Godwin. Love this guy. Going to bounce back, just may not bounce back as far as some of you are going to expect him to. Uh, Why don't we move on to our next guy?
1: So my guy, or my last guy in this video, is Carson Wentz. And once again, go back to what you said earlier, there's so many guys I like to discuss, bounce back wise. Uh, let's know if you want that video, who we should talk about. But anyways, let's get to Carson Wentz. So last year, he got drafted as the 12th quarterback taken, but he finished 22nd quarterback points. He lost his job, got traded in the offseason. You know, um, now, if you've listened to our quarterback videos, you probably know what I'm going to say. But uh, let's get deeper. Um, he's a former first-round pick. People forget the pedigree's there. This guy's not chopped liver. This is a guy that a couple years ago was the talk of the town. And right now, in Indy, they love having him there. In fact, a lot of insiders have said he actually is smarter than most of the coaches. So I love that because as a quarterback, it's a thinking man's game there. You've got to be able to understand that. And they're saying he's very intelligent. That's great. Now, he went from being beloved in Philly to criticized and surrounded by controversy. Last year, he threw 15 interceptions. He got benched. And we quickly forget, okay? This is the guy that had back to back years with a quarterback rating over 100. And he was a front runner for the MVP in 2017. That was a guy that was only a front runner, but I think clearly the guy that was going to get it.
0: Well, and it's funny. He had the injury, but I'll just say this. He was the clear front runner, had the injury. I still think he should have won MVP. And so do I. I really do. They're on top of the NFC.
1: He was on pace for 41 touchdown passes. He finished with 33 before turning his ACL. They were 11 and 2. I mean,
0: he was having a phenomenal year. Mm-hmm. He's 28. In quarterback terms, like a, he's a young pup, he's still in his prime. Well, I maybe wouldn't call him a young pup. In fact, it's almost better. He's still young, but he's also getting into that prime where he's had that history and he's starting to kind of get into that sort of like veteran phase. True. Um, but he's still youthful um, and he's still got a long time and he can even still develop.
1: Yeah, but let's consider this. Last year, uh, Tom Brady, mm-hmm, guy's old, okay? Um, you look <laughs> at the record-setting year that... Um, you had Peyton Manning. I think he was like 38 years old. Yeah. The best year that Brett Favre had was, I think, he was like 30, or 39 or 40. 39
0: or 40. Yeah. yeah, with the
1: Vikings. So a lot of those guys showing like 28 is not. Still got another decade to go of yeah. prime time play. So in uh, 2019, he almost single-handedly willed them into the playoffs. He had 27 touchdown passes. Most of his weapons were hurt that year in shelved. The offensive line struggled. His last five games were must-wins, and he went. 10 touchdown passes, only one interception. And they were down to, like, practice squad players. Their best wide receiver Greg Ward off the practice squad. And don't forget that. I mean, this guy's had a lot of challenges there. You know, their best wide receiver, Alshon Jeffrey, was out a lot. Now, he has had some criticism that he force-fed Zach Ertz
0: too much. But I don't blame the guy with what he's had to deal with there, right? It's like, uh, hey, we, we know we've only given you one weapon, but could you not throw to your one weapon so much? That's what the Jags want to do last year with Shark. Don't, don't feed the talented <laughs> guys. Just spread it out. But
1: anyway, sorry, I'm being snarky here. Um, now, he did struggle last year, and I think there's a lot of factors. One, he did force a little bit. I'm sure there's some pressure there. But the struggles go beyond him. That team was in disarray. They let go of the head coach, who, by the way, had just won a Super Bowl not too far before. That shows you kind of how dysfunctional that team was. Now, if you look at early draft position, currently I have taken about 17 off the board. But I like where he's at. you got T.Y. Hilton, who's a solid bet. Now, T.Y. Hilton's not the guy he was maybe four or five years ago. But still very solid there. Still gas in the tank. I like Michael Pittman. He showed promise. He's big at 6'4". I think he's a nice compliment to Hilton, who stretched the field there. I like them. And then quarterback t- or running back Taylor. Uh, Taylor's got good hands as a running back, but that's not even the best wide receiver. Probably the best wide receiver is the running back, Hines, who, by the way, is an excellent pass-catching back, who got the number one rating among wide receivers amongst backs by Pro Football Focus. The best pass-catching back last year. He was great. You look at uh, Doyle and Cox at tight ends. I think they're serviceable, not great, but decent. Why does not say, I don't think they're great tight ends, but I think the Colts use their tight ends well,
0: and that yes. definitely counts for something.
1: Yeah, and so um, I think the Colts got a great bargain. And the other thing, last year we sacked 50 times in 12 games. That's a lot
0: of tackles. Not to mention, when you're hit that many times and that many pressure, it just creates things. You can see a quarterback, it gets in their head. It gets in your head. You throw interceptions because, heck, I'm not going to get hit for the fifth time in a row. Just get rid of it quick. yes how many times, by the way, those interceptions while he was being hit or forcing it because
1: pressure's coming. So once again, those aren't even considered sacks there. But now Indy, okay, has a great offensive line. In fact, pro football focus has rated him as the number one offensive line. And so I think he's a guy that needs to go undrafted there. Here's what I would say. Um, he's going to return a very solid year there, very efficient, very strong. I think he's going to have a very good year at quarterback. I think he'd be a nice bargain. Will be a fancy stud like the likes of um, Pat Mahomes? No, and here's why. Um, I don't think it's a talent issue per se. When I look at the team, they've got a good offensive line, they've got solid backs that are going to, want to run the ball, they've got improving young defense, they're going to be balanced. So I don't see the need for him to throw the ball 40 to 50 times a game. That could limit his ceiling, but once again, I think he rebounds with a very nice year this year. Uh, he's a guy that you can definitely use.
0: Yeah, and that's what I think, um, and what I love about it is that you were not going to have to draft him early, you're not going to have to give up a lot in an auction league, you know, he's not going to offer a high price tag for you, but... He definitely has some value, especially if you go into a game against an offense like the Chiefs, the Bucks, or the Packers, those offenses that you know are going to score points, that's a game where we might see his touchdown totals go up and he could really take advantage of the weapons that he's got. But uh, I love that pick as well. Um, unless you have anything to add, I'd love to get to my last guy. Let's get the last guy. All right, so I know we just did running backs. I know we just talked about our top 24, but I want to talk about Christian McCaffrey um, simply because I couldn't ignore it. We looked at the list of bounce back guys to talk about and how do you not talk about the running back who in 2019 was the running back one in fantasy and he was the number one far and away, it wasn't even close, who then goes the next year to being injured and barely used and doesn't really have much of a role there. Again, simply because he was injured the whole season, but the question being like, A lot of people are afraid. They've seen what happens to Todd Gurley, and they've seen what other happens to running back, even like Le'Veon Bell, who just suddenly disappear, and the concern, and that little flag goes up, is McCaffrey the next running back to go from elite to not very valuable in a short period of time? Simply put, the answer is no, and he will bounce back. Our rankings have already projected him. We already put that out there for you guys. We expect him to be our number one back. I want to go back to what you said about Michael Thomas. I want to offer a little bit of balance. I think he'll finish as the number one running back in fantasy, but I don't think that he is going to be the guy as like he was in 2019. Again, go back to 2019 He scored 469 fantasy points. That was most by 150 points. He could have played in just 12 games that season and still been the top fantasy running back. That's how insanely dominant he was. So it's weird to say, but I expect he'll finish number one but not by as big a margin as he did before. He's got some things going for him. They improved their quarterback position a little bit, not a ton, but noticeably. And they definitely improved their offensive line. And they added Robbie Anderson, who's going to help stretch the field. DJ Moore has developed. This is a better offense. Ultimately, the only question we have left to answer is, is he healthy? And considering he got back to practice in late November of 2020, and he has said himself, I feel good, I feel really good, yeah, it's hard for me not to think that he's healthy right now, and it's hard for me not to think that he is going to have a solid bounce-back season.
1: So that's it for our bounce-back player video once again. I think we're going to do a part two, but coming Mm -hmm. up, our next video we're going to watch is our wide receivers 1 through 12. Once again, our our tier 1 guys there and our, Mm our wide receiver 1 ratings um what can you do to help us man and one it's fun to be back isn't it good to do videos again yeah it you it know, it's nice we took that year off it's kind of a reset but uh love to help We'd love to have you help us and here's what you can do like subscribe leave a comment share help us get that momentum back we're excited to work with you guys we're excited for
0: the football season once again i got nothing more to add is that it yeah no again really excited uh, if you guys just like and share and comment it's funny uh, we gained a subscriber the other day or subscriber subscriber we've gained since we started posting videos again that makes us really excited i know it's dumb but it makes me feel good and it makes me much more ready to do these videos so uh definitely whatever you guys can do to kind of help boost those numbers a little bit by liking sharing and, and subscribing will be great and it's funny i was just looking at the numbers it only took us you know what is it here uh We only had to lose like 50 subscribers to gain one back. So it was totally worth the trade-off. But again, that's how you guys can help us. At this point, we're really not in it for the money. We want to know that we really are helping you in fantasy because that is is really the reason that we do this right now. So if you would just go out there and do those things to help support the channel, that would mean so, so much to us. Anyways, uh, you guys have a great day and God bless.